One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding a website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen .ca as the trusted online home for their business. Visit cira.ca forward slash startup today. And by DigitalOcean, simplifying web infrastructure by building a product that developers love. Visit DigitalOcean.com to find out more about why developers start and scale their startups on DigitalOcean. Use promo code StartupCA for a $10 credit to get started. A real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada podcast is the production of Startup Canada, a grassroots entrepreneur-led movement to bring together, celebrate, and give a voice to Canada's entrepreneurship community. On the podcast, we speak with the movers and shakers of Canada's entrepreneurship community and explore themes in entrepreneurship, startup, investment and innovation and of course impact the podcast is brought to you by the great folks of intuit quickbooks your partner in starting and growing a financially fit and fundable business check out startupcan.ca backslash finance to sign up for a startup finance boot camp near you and get an amazing 50 percent off quickbooks online for your business thanks so much quickbooks as part of our startup series today we're fe- featuring the amazing sarah prevet sarah's the founder founder at Future Design School, which enables youth through entrepreneurship experience, design, education, and real-world experiments. <laughs> Before inspiring young minds to think big, Sarah founded and was editor-in-chief of BetaKit, which provides real-time reporting and analysis of emerging technology news and global innovation. She also founded Spriter, a site which allowed entrepreneurs to get real-time answers to their startup questions. Sarah is one of Ontario's leading entrepreneurial evangelists and catalysts. Sarah, wow. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's really great. I've been looking forward to this interview. So look, you're a serial entrepreneur and most recently founded the Future Design School. Can you tell us about how you became an entrepreneur and why you not only use the startup, but also wish to cultivate entrepreneurial mindsets and capacity for the next generation? Well, absolutely. That's a bit of a loaded question. I feel yeah. like we <laughs> <laughs> let's start with about how you became an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> absolutely. Well, that takes us a, a little bit uh, further back than I care to admit, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> So I actually uh, was a young entrepreneur starting out. I, I built a company called Upinion. That was back in the day before there really was a startup community. Nice. And so this is really back in the day where saying you were an entrepreneur was sort of like akin to saying you were unemployed or unemployable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we actually, uh, I was uh, trying to build this company and, and there wasn't a startup ecosystem. Nobody was talking about building startups. And when you go to these meetups for business owners, it typ- typically was sort of real estate agents and, and other people. <laughs> yeah. It was exactly. not a glamorous time to be a startup founder. Right. And so it was through that experience that I thought there had to be a better way. I mean, why, why aren't we... Um, 
you know, how, why wasn't there sort of levels of support in place for entrepreneurs? And so that was what led me to start Sprouter, which essentially uh, in its conception was just a selfish way for me to get advice and help as I was trying to build uh, my own tech startup. And uh, it took off and we had an amazing team and, and we built uh, what was at the time the largest online community for, for startup founders. And it was really through that experience that got me uh, excited about being part of uh, this grand community of people who are innovating and building things and, and trying to make things better. And then I guess, you know, the, the next uh, several years, and I guess it's been about a decade now, I've really been focused on that idea of how do we empower people to innovate and solve real problems. And you can see that through uh, not just with Sprouter, but also with BetaKit, where we were trying to feature BetaKit. I started BetaKit and in, in really to try and highlight all of the incredible innovation that was happening in these communities around the world and give visibility to some of these great minds. And now with Future Design School, it's really about teaching kids the methods, these design methods, and giving them entrepreneurial philosophy so that they can be resourceful and creative and solve real problems. Really cool. Really cool. So you mentioned a 10 year time period, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of, (laughs) a lot of learnings along the way and starting and growing and, uh, and eventually exiting Sprouter. Can you give us, give us two learnings that, uh, that you think were pretty, pretty, uh, pretty important along that 10 year journey? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, that's only that. two. <laughs> only two. There's a book in there somewhere. Yeah, right on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of learning. And I, I think, you know, a lot of that is uh, around product development. Uh, I am very, very guilty of uh, sort of building in isolation and then doing the big, great reveal in the launch, uh, which is, you know, the worst way you could possibly build products. And mm-hmm. so through uh, Sprouter, we really perfected how not to build products and, and learned uh, the better methods. And, and certainly now we, we use all of these much faster design sprints where we're actually building for our customer, which sounds crazy. But, you know, back in the day when people were following like waterfall methods and stuff and not so much agile, right, <laughs> this, right. that was sort of a revolutionary concept to start actually building what your customer wants. I mean, it's embarrassing to admit that now, but it's, uh, you know, <laughs> really everything around customer discovery and how do you build products that people really want and putting your ego aside and building for you know a user other than yourself was is really took uh, an embarrassingly long time to to figure out. But mm-hmm. uh, now we take those uh, those methods and really try and instill them into kids uh, so that they can leverage them as they go on to to problem solve. Well, I think well, it's, it's a it's a it's an interesting point you bring up about you know sometimes the obvious isn't so obvious. And uh, through my journey as an entrepreneur, there's been a gazillion times that I think I'm the expert at something, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> And this simplistic thing comes my way and I say, holy crap, that is so such an obvious thing. How the heck did somebody as brilliant as I am miss that? <laughs> and so this customer discovery thing, same sort of thing. I mean, it's so important to uh, to just to kind of embrace the learning. All right, it is what it is and and not beat ourselves up as we as we do that. So very cool. Well, those so, things are really the most important. I mean, the, the customer discovery piece around building products for your users and putting 
empathy at the center of your design process, but you just hit on something else, which is being simple is actually strangely one of the hardest things to do mm. when you're building projects. Mm. And I think that was the other sort of key learning from Spratter is, you know, that feature overkill was a real thing and, and trying to make things as simple and basic as, as possible, uh, you know, is, is really something to strive for. Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. So how did you know uh, that it was time to exit Sprouter? What was the kind of wake up one day out of bed, you know, eating your shreddies and you say, it's time to go. <laughs> I wish it was uh, a magical story like that. We actually, <laughs> with Sprouter, it was uh, a bit of a, a, a very strange ending for us because uh, admittedly, uh, we found uh, we monetization really, really late in the game. We had built Sprouter as a community to, to help entrepreneurs and hadn't really put much thought into how it was actually going to make money from the get-go. Uh, again, another key learning and, and things mm. that I would advocate for is as much as people still are, are building things and getting funded that aren't monetized, I still don't think that that's a way to build a business. Right. right. Uh, and so it was actually... Uh, me waking up one day and realizing that there was massive opportunity cost by us. You know, we weren't able to go to the next level. We were just keeping the lights on and, and, you know, we had a really talented team and I thought, you know, I was sort of keeping everybody hamstrung by keeping them tied to something. And, and for me, I didn't have enough money to, to be able to build the sprouter outs the way that I wanted to. And I thought, man, maybe it's time to throw in the towel. Like maybe mm. it's time that we, we end this. And so it was actually, uh, my decision to close down Sprouter, which caused uh, a massive reaction from the global community, which rallied around us and, and basically told us that it was their community and we couldn't shut it down. <laughs> which led uh, to a bunch of uh, potential acquirers coming to the table. So it was this really bizarre Cinderella story because we were we were turning off the lights. We were essentially going under, and then all of a sudden we found out that we were an acquisition target and ended up uh, spending a couple months negotiating between different parties and ended up selling the company. I love it. So the lesson is tell everybody you're shutting down as a way to sell your business. Brilliant. I want really clear that that is not my advice to anyone. And I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't find a more clever way of going about and shopping it. I, my reaction was just, oh, we're done. I Anyway, I think that, you know, you, you say it's it wasn't brilliant, but actually I think it is quite brilliant. Why not? Well, look, um, here's what, something I want to know is when you ultimately let go of the reins mm -hmm. and it was gone, how did you feel? Oh, that was uh, actually really, really gross. And uh, it's, a, it's a really hard thing. I've now done it twice where I've had, you know, your, you give away your baby, mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, with, with Sprouter and, uh, it was, I, I bled and, and breathed Sprouter every day of my life for years. And, uh, the decision to leave after we had, uh, we had been acquired, I stayed, uh, for about a year afterwards, right. uh, it was really, really tough. And, and not only, you know, you feel like you're abandoning, uh, your baby, but you're also abandoning your team. And that was mm. a really tough decision to make, but ultimately, uh, you know, it, I, I just didn't feel like I was, uh, you know, able to do what I wanted to do. And I, and it was opportunity cost again, which I think is really important mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. You always sort of need to be aware of, you know, what the other options are at the table. And for me, it was the you know, opportunity to go build something else. Yeah. Very cool. Did, did uh, do you find yourself kind of uh, wanting to peek back at your baby every now and then to see how your baby is <laughs> so, doing? <laughs> no. And ultimately uh, the company that acquired Sprouter, once I left, our team uh, left uh, shortly after, and, and they ultimately uh, sold the technology, which is now being used elsewhere under different 
different brands, so I can't look back on it, but it's uh, <laughs> beta kit is still alive and, and doing very, very well. And it's actually a little bit hard to be honest, to yeah. see someone else running your baby. And I see beta kit in my feed every day as people are sharing articles and, and they're doing a great job. And the, and the team that's now writing for the publication and, and building it out are doing great things, but it's still, it's hard to know that, uh, you know, I don't have a say. Yeah. Well, you sound a little emotional just talking about it, <laughs> but let's move on to future design school. Cause that's uh, where you're spending time now. Tell us a bit about future design school, how it works and just some cool things that uh, you think uh, our guests would want to hear about the, the magic you're creating there? Yeah, well, ultimately, we want to create a series of schools that are focused on cultivating innovation and creativity. And so we have uh, started with some smaller programs. Our programs are running after school and camps, but also uh, courses inside of various independent schools across Ontario. And so we're doing two things. We're really trying to teach kids the uh, repeatable process of ideation, validation, and rapid prototyping. But we're also really trying to facilitate meaningful innovation. And that was one of the things that, you know, as we were building Betakit, we saw all of these incredibly smart people building things. And there's a deplorable number of people who are building things that just don't matter. And I think that there should be an onus and a responsibility on the smart people in society to really build things that matter. We have enough problems in the world that need solving. And I think we should be focused on finding solutions to some of those issues. And a lot of that comes down to creating an innovative culture and inspiring kids to have an impact on the world around them. Right on. Very cool. So what have been some of your biggest challenges and lessons in starting starting the school? Well, there is no shortage of, uh, of <laughs> challenges when you're trying to go into a whole new industry and area. Uh, you know, for me, I'm coming from tech and I've built tech companies for the past several years. So going into the education space is really interesting and certainly learning a lot. But very fortunately, we've attracted a rock star team of educators who, uh, you know, and I learn something from them every single day. And it's, it's amazing, I think, for me to, to get that firsthand view into uh, you know, teachers and that engagement with students and just the challenges that they're facing in the classroom. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we all come from an entrepreneurial background where you know that, you know, you can really only manage effectively 10 people, right? right. Like that's, that's the level of where, you know, you can really have an impact on a personal level. And in these classrooms with some of, you know, in these traditional schools, we're expecting these teachers to, you know, to teach mm. and engage 30 to 32 students. I mean, right that's on. just... Yeah. So it's uh, lots of challenges in, in trying to transform the way we think about education and how do we deliver personalized learning and how do we bring the startup ecosystem across Canada together in a way that people can uh, share their, their resources and their insights locally with the next generation so that we inspire a, you know, a new group of innovators. Well, obviously you would have given that some thought. So uh, it's an election time. Let's uh, say you have the, ne- you have the three main leaders, or if you want to put uh, the green lady in there too, Elizabeth May, um, they want to ask you what you would do to enhance entrepreneurship across the country. What's the, what's the, what's the piece of advice that, that you would give them that they have to take. They absolutely should take Future Design School's course on innovation and entrepreneurship. And they should take the course. 
rules. Take it. It's done. We have nice. it. Uh, we have proven efficacy and students who have, we've got kids going through the program who go through a process when within 30 hours are creating apps that they're demoing and presenting on stage, apps that are, you know, having a fundamental impact on the world around them and, and yeah. building really meaningful change. Yeah, very cool. Simulate them right into the environment, and that's how they'll learn. Very cool. So, look, um, Sarah, you uh, you said before that entrepreneurs should fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Can you kind of explain that a bit further? Well, it's really important. I think as entrepreneurs, you you start to, when you're building something, you fall in love with what you're building. Right. And the reality is that you need to fall in love with the problem that you're solving and realize that the solution really will be an iterative process and needs to you know be a constant evolution and change. And so as long as you're staying true to the problem that you're trying to solve and not falling in love with whatever you've built to solve it, then you'll, you'll have that ability to be flexible, be resourceful and change uh, your solution as, as time requires. Yeah, very cool. So school has a natural connection to to parents and uh, and uh, and kids. So, you know, uh, what do you say to parents who haven't been brought and, and educators at that at that level? What do you say to them who they haven't been brought up in having any knowledge about what entrepreneurship is, let alone that the word even existed. I mean, it never existed when I was a kid. It was always, my dad had a business, but it was always dad's going to work and mm-hmm. uh, going to his job. And so, you know, how do you help those parents and educators out there ignite and inspire and empower, you know, young Canadians to, to, to solve problems, create and really just form their own path when they have never when they've never known how to do it in the first place. Well, one, I mean, I think every parent wants their their child to realize their own potential. And what we're saying is that entrepreneurialism is really more of a philosophy than a than a career path. And, and what I mean by that is anyone can be entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial is about being resourceful. It's about being creative. It's being able to sort of, you know, think on the fly, come up with uh, solutions. And we really think that everyone should be confident in that kind of ability, that creative ability to debate and build and and lead. And so for us, we're not talking about teaching kids fundamental business skills around P&L and all that kind of stuff. Mm. We're not looking at Excel jockeys. What we're looking at is how do we inspire kids to look critically around the world at, you know, the issues around them, be able to analyze all of these skill sets that we, you know, we already want within our curriculum, but we believe that the goals of education should really be on fostering creativity, critical thinking, and and innovation. And so that's where we're coming from. And I I think that resonates resonates with parents. And and you may not have been an entrepreneur and you may not have exposure to entrepreneurship, uh, but you certainly want your kid to be a resourceful, creative human being. Yeah, that's very interesting. There's a great entrepreneur called Desh Desponde, and uh, Desh uh, puts uh, has schools in India, and the schools are all based on that fundamental that you just said right there is challenge, 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 challenge them. Okay, how do you put this pen into this wall where there's no holes in the wall? You know, just start with little things like that that will encourage creativity, innovation, and so on, and so they grow up with that fabric already in their bodies. And so they'll always be, always have the ability to be independent, even though they might not be, but they'll always have that, uh, that ability for sure. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Um, Sarah, how do you, uh, how do you, you involve startup Canada in your life? 
Well, that's a good question. I mean, I've been uh, involved with Startup Canada since uh, Victoria started it. Uh, I remember her uh, putting together the the idea a few years ago. And so for me, I think it's uh, it's a great program that's cultivating awareness around Canadian entrepreneurs and and sort of creating cohesion between different communities across the country. And I think any initiative that's giving more visibility to the great innovation happening inside the country is, is well received and, and definitely necessary. Yeah, very cool. I, I don't know if you knew this. You, I didn't know that you were around then, but I was around also. Uh, I was a, a, I was a founding father representing Atlantic Canada on the board. And uh, that Victoria, she sure is sharp. She says, I've been watching you for six months before I decided to call you. So she, she, she's such a spy. Isn't she a wonderful woman? Yeah, it really is awesome stuff how it works out. So um, how would you bring your school to Marysville, Newfoundland. What would you, because obviously what you're doing is, is, is so, so, so important, but mm-hmm. look, Canada needs, every part of Canada needs you. So how yeah. do you bring your school to the, you know, the outposts? Well, we're actually uh, doing a lot of teacher training, and that's a really big part of our initiative is actually training other educators to be able to deliver our programming so that they can go to any areas and and do localized learning. And so we actually uh, have been uh, just started our teacher training program here in Toronto where uh, teachers can come from anywhere to actually get certified to run FDS programs. So that's one of our, our big focuses is how do we make this exportable and scalable? And the next piece of that is really being able to put it online uh, so that uh, you know anyone around the world can have access to this kind of education. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, look, uh, you have, uh, have, have doing some amazing things with regards to that that passion in your heart. And that's what really comes through to me is this, this you found your passion. You're so lucky to have found that and you're really living that. So what what advice do you have for uh, for social innovators looking to start up across Canada? Well, just that. I mean, it it really is about following your passion. And that's where we start all of our programming with FDS. It doesn't matter how old the the youth are when they're coming through our programs. We start every uh, session uh, with what are you passionate about? And and that's a real hard exercise for a lot of people, which is interesting. People haven't actually found something that they just, you know, that speaks to them. And so you have to go back to what are your natural skills? What are you good at? Uh, you know, what are things that you enjoy doing? And then mirroring that hopefully with a problem that needs solving and something that you have a genuine interest in learning about. And, you know, I think from my perspective, I'm, uh, I'm pretty blessed in the fact that I'm naturally interested in a lot of things. <laughs> so <laughs> I can be passionate about pretty much anything. Uh, but, you know, and I think that's what really comes through in terms of when we look at great entrepreneurs, they have that natural burning curiosity and they have that sense of, you know, the excitement around learning. And so if you have that and you can apply it to any sort of sector, you know, food, environment, water, space, it doesn't really matter. You find something that you're passionate about, you've drilled down into a problem that needs solving and then apply your skill set. You know, how might you solve this given your unique skill set? And then that's where people, you know, have the, the greatest success is when you can sort of find that uh, Venn diagram, you know, between what you're passionate about, what you're good at and a real problem that needs solving. And the, the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones who are truly passionate about what they're building. Are you able to find balance in your life? 
You know, I, this question is, 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 I get asked all the time about work-life balance. And, and for me, I'm not working a nine to five job where I'm staring at the clock and hating my life. Mm. <laughs> so I think it's a little bit different. You know, I, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate in the fact that I am literally doing the, the thing that I want to do. Right. And that's what I think everybody, you know, everyone's trying to accumulate wealth to be able to be at that point where you can just do whatever you want. Well, you know, I'm doing that. I, this is exactly what I want to be doing. And with my, with my time, I'm, I'm super thrilled to, to be working on uh, FDS. And I, I think that I want to be giving all of my time to, to doing it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying every minute of it. And so, to me, that is balanced because I'm enjoying my time. I think it's people who are not enjoying their work time that are looking for balance, which is really just a you know a very sad way of saying my life sucks. Yeah, yeah, isn't that so true? I, I one of my my mentors um, is Richard Branson, and one of the quotes he said was, he says it's it, I don't consider it li- I don't consider it playing. I don't consider it working. He says I consider it living. And I think that just embodies what you just said right there. So, uh, Sarah, articulately, I might add, <laughs> and what, sorry, Branson is far more articulate. I might add. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But let me tell you, I've heard him speak on the stage and you are much more energetic. I'd rather listen to you than listen to him. He's got some, uh, some great insights and some, of course, some great experience, but, uh, I think you'd be much more fun at a party. So, well, yeah. <laughs> Well, look, Sarah, thank you so, so much for uh, for coming on the show. It really has been uh, a real joy. I look forward to the opportunity to meet you face-to-face sometime. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks so much for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Sarah Prevetta, Canadian entrepreneur and founder of Future Design School. I'm Rivers Corbett, and you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast show. Startup Canada is your doorway into Canada's entrepreneurship community. Be sure to check out the website startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You can check me out at riverscorbett.ca. I always love hanging out with entrepreneurs and sharing with them my journeys and experiences. So it's been a great opportunity to chat to you today, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, I'm Rivers Corbett and have an amazing enterprising week.